0: Today's Bible reading is um, from the start of the book of Hebrews to chapter 2 verse 4 and it's in your church Bible on page 1860 and on the screen behind me. In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father? Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid down the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation?' This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified it to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will.
1: Thanks, Peter. Good morning, everyone. Uh, as Carl said, my name's Jack. If I haven't met you before, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and great to be starting this new series, looking at uh, Hebrews, um, looking at chapter 1 today. We've been looking at this only uh, evenings. Um, we started the year looking at the book of Hebrews for about seven weeks, which has been great. And yeah, really excited to be looking at it uh, now as a church together as well. Um, I just have a, have a question for everyone. Have you, have you ever seen a toddler uh, trying to concentrate on carrying a cup of water? Um, but then getting a bit, a little bit distracted while they're carrying it. Has everyone kind of seen that kind of thing happening? Uh, like when, it, when a toddler's like, you know, toddling along with their, with their cup of water in their hands, you, you always run that risk, don't you, that they're going to stop paying attention to carrying that cup of water, uh, especially when they walk past uh, maybe a favourite toy or something that might be lying on the ground next to them. And it's kind of fun to watch, right? Like it's, it's kind of fun to watch... Because you can see that you can see the thought process behind their eyes as they kind of forget that they're holding that full cup of water, and they start thinking, "You know what? I reckon I can get that toy. I reckon I can get that too." And they start kind of bending down, but they're a bit top-heavy still, and it's kind of they start wobbling around a little bit. Uh, the water starts slopping everywhere, and you're like, "No, no, no, no! Pay attention! You've got to hold the cup. You're going to spill it." But the allure of that toy—it's just too much, and water goes everywhere. The inevitable happens: the cup gets dropped. And then there's that kind of weird pause that they do um, when they look at you after something's happened to gauge your reaction and then burst into tears. But it's not just toddlers though, it's not just toddlers. Who's done the balancing act of trying to get a cup of tea through a closed door while holding onto a plate of toast? Got a few people? Yeah, it it ends the same way, doesn't it? A lot of the time, spilt tea and tears, Uh, at least it does for me. Well, uh, well like, like a toddler needing to, to pay attention to that cup of water in their hands. or well, like you need to pay attention to that hot cup of tea in your hands that it doesn't spill over without you noticing. Uh, well, the Christians in the letter that Hebrews was written to this morning, they're told that they need to pay attention. But it's not just pay attention in chapter two, verse one, is it? Like It's not like the secondhand kind of attention that you'd give to the cricket score on the TV at a party. Uh, it's pay the most careful Attention, therefore, to what we've heard so that we do not drift away. That's chapter 2, verse 1. Because there's much more at stake here than just a spilt cup of water. See, the call of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, the whole thing, it's to to cling to Jesus. It's to keep trusting in and following Him. This morning, uh, it's to not drift away on that cultural current that surrounds you and pulls you and pushes you away from Him. And the way the author of Hebrews encourages us to do this is by reminding us again and again uh, that Jesus is better. Jesus is superior. Jesus is better than anything that's come before. Uh, he's better than anything the world could offer us today. And he's better than anything the world could offer us in the future. And this morning, what we see brought out in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 2, verse 4, uh, is that we have a God who speaks through a better messenger. And he shares the best message. And our response ought to be to pay the most careful attention to this message so that we don't drift away from the one we need the most, Jesus. If you've got an outline in the leaflet, you'll see that point one says, uh, God who speaks. Uh, For the Christians who Hebrews was was written to, uh, as we heard from the crazy engineer in the kids' talk, they're they're really feeling the squeeze of life, the, the pressure of life, uh, and they're feeling the pressure to, to stop paying attention to Jesus so that they don't feel that squeeze so much. <clears throat> I don't know if anyone else has like an older sibling who when you were younger for no reason would just kind of, you might be lying on a couch or something and the older sibling would just kind of, they just kind of come and sit on top of you, maybe sit on top of your chest until you get a few, maybe there's a few older siblings in the room as well who have done this. Maybe you guys don't quite know what this feels like, but for the younger siblings, you know what this feels like. Older sibling coming in and just kind of sitting on your chest and they just stay there until you can see defeat and do what they want you to do. Maybe that's like you're choosing the family movie for the night, and they're like, no, you've got to choose like, this great movie that I want you to choose, right? So this is kind of pressure that you kind of, kind of feel. We're, we're kind of just imagine that kind of weight kind of existing, feeling that kind of squeeze. Um, but then imagine it's not, it's, not, it's not physical. Imagine it's actually happening to your heart. Take, take all the fun out of it. Bring in kind of real animosity and imagine that it's happening from several different directions. Uh, just this constant kind of pressure on, on top of you, this, this squeeze. And for some of you right now, you probably don't really need to imagine that. You're feeling the pressure of life. Well, the Christians this was written to, they, they were feeling the pressure. See, once upon a time, those Christians had been part of a really well-established, uh, socially acceptable, a really developed religion, uh, being the Jewish religion of the day, Judaism. And they lived in the Roman Empire and the Jewish religion was allowed in the Roman Empire as long as they played by the rules. Uh, but when they became Christians, when they started following Jesus, um, it all changed. See, they became outcasts, they became people whose society kind of just turned its nose up at. See, before they had safety, before they had more friends, before they weren't at risk of losing jobs or houses... Uh, before people at the shops wouldn't have refused them service because they were christians before it was a really tempting thing for christians back then to want to drift into also that the pressures of life would ease up and i don't know if if you feel the pressure or the squeeze of life at the moment Um, if you aren't right now it's likely that you have in the past or if not in the past it's kind of certain that you will in the future and it's likely that it isn't to do with being persecuted because of your faith or to do with once upon a time taking part in Judaism, uh, but now being a Christian. Uh, but there is pressure. Uh, financial pressures, relational pressures, health-related pressures, study pressures, career pressures, family and school pressures. Uh, it's all just kind of there, vying for our attention. It's all there uh, with loud voices saying, no, actually, pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. Pay attention to the tour the on the floor. You've got to pick it up. But the author of Hebrews, they draw us back in the first four verses this morning to the one who we need to pay our best attention to, the most careful attention to. It's the one who God himself has spoken through. The first four verses here really set up what the rest of Hebrews continues to unpack about who this person is, God's own son, Jesus. And we need to pay the most careful attention to what we have heard from him. See, all of those other things, they they come after, and they're seen through the light of who God has chosen to speak through. We read from verse 1, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom He also made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he'd provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. There's no resume in the world that can compare to this one. Uh, But a quick quiz, a quick quiz. Does anyone know... Uh, what system of communication was invented in the 1840s? You can shout it out if you know. Yeah, that's it, exactly. It revolutionized our ability to communicate across vast distances, the telegram. Its first words, anyone know what its first words were? It was, What hath God wrought? Right? A really big moment. Anyone know what system for communication was created in 2011, though, and was then put to good use throughout, you know, 2020? Don't know if anyone remembers that year um, until now. Anyone know that system? Zoom, that's it. Software that helps you uh, not only hear and speak to someone, but, but you can see them. You can see someone's face on your computer screen. It even allows you to pretend you're at the beach when you're in the office and change the background or allows you to pretend you're in the office when you're at the beach, one or, one or the other. Uh, but for those Christians back then, they're, they're feeling the pressure <coughs> to go back to the telegram. When God is saying, hang on, uh, I've, I've spoken to you through Zoom. See, so they were waiting for someone like an earthly messenger <coughs> for God to speak through, like the prophets of old, in the Old Testament, uh, not realizing that God's great messenger, the best messenger, had already come. Now, a prophet was God's mouthpiece to the Israelites way back when. And the Jewish religion of the day, which they'd been part of, uh, it held that this was how God continued to speak. And it was how God had chosen to speak to them, through prophets or through angels, which we get to later, until he spoke through Jesus. But what we're reading in Hebrews 1 is that now God, God has spoken through Jesus, so quit waiting for the message on the telegraph. You have Zoom now, and here's why it's better. See, God has spoken to us through His Son, the One who is the heir of everything in existence. It all belongs to Him. The One through whom God made the entire universe. The One who shows exactly who God is and reveals Him to us, verse 3, and who sustains everything that exists. So you exist, I exist, the world exists, all because of Him. And He's perfect. He's indistinguishable from God because He is God. We, re- we read also in verse 3 He is the one uh, who purifies us, meaning He cleanses us from the thing that makes us God's enemies, our sin or rejection of God's place in our lives. He deals with that and makes us right with God. And he's the one who, after accomplishing this on our behalf, ascended into heaven, where He sits at God's right hand, reigning with all power and authority. See, God has spoken to us through Him. Telegraph or Zoom, Prophet or Son of God, the author of Hebrews very quickly establishes that you should listen to Jesus. He is supreme. He's better than anything that has come before, that is on offer today, or that the world could offer in the future. God has spoken to us through His Son. And just let that kind of sit for a moment. Last week at Unley Evenings, we read Psalm 19 we were reminded that as we look out of this window behind me, or as we look out at the night sky and the stars at night, well, the God who put all of that there, he's chosen to speak to us, to let us know who he is and why we need him. He chose to descend into a world that was broken and messy because of our rejection of him, to bring reconciliation and forgiveness and life, And in his Son Jesus, through whom he has chosen to speak to us and to reveal himself, he has given the greatest message of all time. But before he gets to that message, the author of Hebrews establishes why Jesus is the best messenger to deliver it. That's point two, the better messenger. See, one of the ways that God would reveal his messages to his people in the Old Testament and in in the New Testament, take Mary for example, uh, was through angels god's heavenly messengers we've seen god's earthly messengers in uh, the prophets in verses one to four now we see his heavenly messengers and in jewish thought uh, back in the day uh, angels were very significant and very important messengers in chapter 2 verse 3 we read for since the message spoken through angels was binding now what this is referring to is the law the law that was passed to moses which Moses passed to the Israelites at Mount Sinai to tell them how to live as God's people. It was a huge and important moment. See, the law was how the Israelites were to relate to God. It's how they were called to live in obedience to God. And so if the Christians of the day who had their background rooted in Judaism were going to be encouraged to pay attention to Jesus, well, the author of Hebrews here needed to say, Jesus is a better messenger than angels and you need to listen to him. He's not just a better messenger than the earthly messengers who are prophets. He's better than the heavenly messengers, than angels. And if he's a better messenger, we need to pay attention to what he says. And the way the author of Hebrews does this is great, how he brings this out. That he shows us from God's word, from scripture, why Jesus is the better messenger. and why, um, How his word, how scripture has always been leading to Jesus, the one whom God reveals himself through they pull from psalms from 2 samuel from deuteronomy uh, passages that all point toward jesus in different ways and show that he is leagues beyond anyone else leagues beyond any other messenger firstly in verses five to six well because jesus is god's own son Uh, we read it should be on the screen behind me for to which of the angels did god ever say you are my son, today I have become your father, or again I will be His father, and He will be my son. And again, when God brings His firstborn into the world, he says, "Let all God's angels worship Him." the author of Hebrews is referring to Psalm two and 2 Samuel 7 here, passages that speak of God's chosen king ruling over his people and his eternal kingdom. And he's saying that these psalms, they're all fulfilled in Jesus. He is that king. And it's not just the king that people on earth are called to bow down to. In verse 6, we read, Let all God's angels worship him. The angels, those heavenly messengers, they're subservient to Jesus. We read on in verse 7, And speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels' spirits and his servants' flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Here we see the role of angels contrasted with the royal role of Jesus. Psalm 104, where the passage comes from, is a creation psalm. So here, just as the winds and lightning or flames of fire serve God's will in a particular way and are created by God, so too... Are angels created by God and serve His purposes? The Son, on the other hand, in verse 8, is called God Himself. He's not created. Your throne, O God, will last forever, His just rule over His kingdom will last forever. He's not only the chosen king he's the king who's fulfilled the role of all of israel's kings perfectly loving righteousness hating wickedness and so he's qualified to be the perfect just judge and king over this eternal kingdom and god has chosen to spoke to us uh, to speak to us through him kind of seems like you know the contrast is enough at this point but it just it keeps on going Jesus' role and rule over creation is established in verse 10 to 12. He's established as the one who will bring in a new creation because this one is perishing. And he's established as the one who is unchanging, as eternal. Nothing compares to the Son of God who rules over creation. And finally, in verse 13 to 14, we read, To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? See, this section of verses 5 to 13, it it starts and, and ends with Psalm 2 and with Psalm 110. Both Psalms that pick up on the sonship of God's chosen king in a really big way. Here in verse 13, to establish Jesus' triumph over his enemies. See, there's no one who can topple Jesus from his throne. There's no one who can question that he's ruling in his rightful place or that he is supreme. And finally, verse 14, it picks up again on that thread of verse 7 about angels being created beings. It shows us that while the Son sits enthroned on high as the judge of all and the king of all and the sustainer of all things, angels have actually been given another purpose. And it's not to be beings who we bow down to But it's to serve in some way that we can't entirely be sure about uh, those who will inherit salvation that's their role the telegraph or zoom earthly prophet or god's son heavenly messenger or the one who rules and sustains all of creation god has spoken through his son jesus the author of hebrews puts forward a pretty convincing argument that jesus is better But it's the message that jesus has spoken that's been revealed through him that we need to pay the most careful attention to because it's a message that helps us respond to who jesus is as that rightful ruler as that sustainer of all creation and as the one that we desperately need to cling to and pay attention to so that we do not drift away see god speaks through a better messenger jesus with point three the best message In 2 verse 1 to 4 we read, We must pay the most careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, by gifts the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. You see, the law in the Old Testament that was passed on to the Israelites through those heavenly messengers, well, it shows our failure to follow God how we're meant to. See, not a single one of us could stack up to the way we're meant to have lived before God and with God. We've all failed there, every one of us. But the great salvation spoken of in verse 3 reveals that God chooses to make a way for us to be saved from what we deserve because of our failure. Which in verse 2 is the just punishment for the way we've treated God and chosen to reject him. And it all depends on Jesus. Because the good news of Jesus, the message that has been revealed to us through Jesus and in Jesus is that if we turn away from seeking to live a life of rejection of God, to trusting in Jesus as the only one who can save us from the penalty of that, well, we're saved from the punishment we deserve. Otherwise, we're left to face that on our own, and not a single one of us will get away from it. It's a message that that brings uh, hope, news of hope, news of joy and of peace and of life and of forgiveness through a loving saviour. See, the author of Hebrews wants us to remember that Jesus, uh, the ruler and sustainer of all, the judge of all, uh, it's quite, quite big uh, imagery, uh, he's also the one who gave up his rightful place to come down to earth to die on a cross, to take that punishment we deserve onto himself. So we don't have a God who's distant and spiteful. We have one who died to deal with the problem that we caused. And we need him as much today as we did yesterday or as we will tomorrow this chapter brings into focus the one who god has spoken the message of salvation through and why we need to listen to the message of salvation that only comes through him because without him we have nothing we must pay the most careful attention therefore to what we've heard so that we do not drift away now, for us today, we don't, we don't live in a society where we are being called back to Judaism so that life will become easier for us. That's not, that's not the case for us. Those aren't the voices we need to be careful to not pay attention to. But we still, we still feel that pressure that we thought about at the start, don't we? Not financial, relational, health-related pressures, work-related pressures, family pressures, study and school pressures, we all feel those things. And they lure us away from Jesus as they loom larger and feel heavier and kind of tug us away and draw our attention to those things. And just, just have that image of the toddler walking along in your minds, getting distracted from car- carrying their cup filled with water, you know, trying to balance having that in one hand and, and the toy in the other, and the other toys around them. It, it can feel like that. Uh, only those toys aren't fun, right? They suck. They make us feel like we're trying to actually hold a snake in one hand at arm's length, uh, even while we know we have the greatest thing ever in the other. So how, how do you pay attention to Jesus when all of these other pressures are kind of just right there, uh, just pressing in and making you do this kind of balancing act? It's really hard. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I'm just slopping water all over the place because life's pressures just exist. They're They're just there. And they ebb and flow like the tide of the ocean. And they tug and pull us along in all sorts of different ways. And it would feel easier sometimes to just give in to the drift and just let go. We know why we need to pay attention to Jesus. We need him more than anything else in the world. But but how do we keep paying attention to him uh, when those pressures close in? Then we have the cup in the one hand, the snake in the other. I think Hebrews 1 offers some helpful insight into how we think about this. See, like the Christians this letter was written to were in danger of drifting from Jesus by listening to the voices of their day above His in order to deal with those pressures, Uh, we need to be conscious of what those voices are for us today so that we can learn to ignore them. So that we can learn to listen to Jesus' voice above those ones. See, the Christians this letter was written to were in danger of listening to the voice that requested the least from them, but offered the most amount of comfort. They were in danger of listening to the voice that requested the least from them and offered the most amount of comfort. And I don't know what what kind of decision you want to make when push comes to shove, uh, but but I really love comfort. And the less effort to get there, uh, the better. I think it's why couches with eskies built into them were invented, right? The less effort, the better. But For the, Christian, uh, the Christians that Hebrews was written to, they were being told, come back to the old religious customs that you know and that you used to follow. Right? That's the request that asked the least. And you won't be a social outcast anymore. Th- that's the most amount of comfort. To the voice that requested the least and offered the most amount of comfort but it's so deceptive it's really deceptive see one of the things that is apparent throughout hebrews as we keep reading through it remember is that jesus is better better than what came before better than what's on offer now and better than what this world will offer in the future remember what we read in hebrews 1 verse 10 to 12 said in the beginning lord you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same. Your years will never end. See, the world around us is perishing. But Jesus and his kingdom where we belong, if we follow him, that's not perishing. Actually, he's bringing in a new creation. So the request to return to their old way of life it's not actually asking the least, it's actually asking the most. Because it's asking for them to hand over their whole eternity and entrust it to something that is perishing. See, that is asking the most. And the comfort that it offers at that point, it's actually non-existent. See, Jesus, on the other hand, he doesn't request the least from us to be saved, to have life, to have forgiveness, to have a relationship with the God who loves us. Jesus did the most on our behalf that could ever have been done to do it for us. And Jesus doesn't just offer the comfort. He he actually is the comfort. See, He is the hope of life to come that's free uh, from, from life, from this life's pressures. He is the joy that we can have at salvation and life with God. He is the peace that settles our hearts in relation to God and that makes the pressures of this life feel less because we know those things can't take us away from Him. See, that snake in the hand, whatever it is for you, it's a rubber toy and its bite can't take away what Jesus has won for you in His death on the cross and in His resurrection from the dead. Jesus did the most on your behalf. And offers a comfort that is deeper than the superficial offerings of the world. Nothing can offer you what Jesus can. He's better than what's come before. He's better than what's on offer now. He's better than what the world could ever offer in the future. Your work, your school, your house, uni, your career. Those things are not forever. And the pressures associated with those things, they are not ultimate. But Jesus is. And we need him, and we have him. The Hebrews 1 helps to develop a view of Jesus where we see him for who he is, the the supreme, the most magnificent and supreme saviour that we could ever know, the one we desperately need to follow and listen to, and he wants us with him. He's made it possible for us to be with him, and nothing will ever come close to deserving our lives or deserving our loves than him. And over the next few weeks, we're going to continue looking at why this is the case, why he is better, and why we so desperately need to keep clinging to Jesus, the one who's better than anything that came before, that's here today, or that the world will offer in the future. We'll keep thinking and keep grappling with how who Jesus is, She really helps to address those pressures in life that we feel. But for now, let me lead us in prayer, asking God to help us Pay the most careful attention to what we've heard from Jesus, to this great salvation, so that together we don't drift away from the one we need the most. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for who you are as a God who speaks to us. We praise you that you've spoken to us through your Son, Jesus, the better messenger. And that you've spoken to us the best message that there is. Salvation and life in your Son's name reconciliation with you and life eternal we pray that you would help us together as your people as a church uh, pay attention to jesus remember our desperate need for him and never stray from that please help us to walk side by side pointing always towards your grace how you have acted towards us so lovingly lord in your son jesus that would always remember our desperate need for him amen